Morning, everyone. Good to see you. Good to be in the house of God. And um, it is awesome to sing praises of the Lord. Amen. I, I, I really enjoyed the singing. Um, for my text today, um, we're going to do um, the word of God never gets old. Amen. Never gets old. So a couple weeks ago, Brother David Picciuto spoke this very same scripture, and um, I pondered it. This scripture is awesome. And I prayed about it, and I was in my uh, office the other day, and the Lord gave me this wonderful uh, look into the scripture. I had a little help, I'll confess. Um, I love when the Lord opens up our mind to look at many different things. And this was a sermon given, oh wow, many, many years ago in the mid-60s by Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, I'm going to put my fingerprint on it because um, the word of God is for all of us to use. Um, I'm going to use a little bit of some of the things that he calls out in his message. And this, by the way, this is a, a sermon that is, uh, was recorded. It was also studied in Stanford University. And um, this, this sermon is a, in a book, a series of sermons by Martin Luther King. So if you ever want to read it, uh, come see me, and I'll give you all the, uh, the uh, references to, to research it. It's phenomenal. Um, wonderful, wonderful man of God and a wonderful preacher of Jesus he was, uh, as well as a civil rights leader. So we're going to go to Luke, uh, the 11th chapter. And, Micah, we want to start at the beginning of that parable. So I think it's the fifth verse. Um, I'm, I'm limited, so I, I like to be prepared when I get up here, but I had to play the piano, so I'm, I'm scrambling here. Uh, yes, this is it. So we'll, we'll, we'll go to the end of this. We're just going to read it together. Um, and he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. I, I want you to remember the number three here. There's nothing in a parable that Jesus gives you doesn't have meaning. Remember that. Three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come, and I have nothing to set before him. You remember Brother David's message. Just many of you maybe were there or weren't there. But this is an odd time, right? It's midnight, and all of a sudden this, this, this man gets un, un, uh, uh, unplanned company, and he's got no food in the pantry. Next verse. And he from within, the friend that has the food, shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give it to thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. Now this is a sermon and a parable of persistent prayer. Remember, remember, those of you that were here, I followed Brother David and explained what importunity means. It means that you will not be ashamed to weary yourself before God when you need something. And persistent prayer is what Austin spoke to us about this morning. And how we need to be engaged in a prayer life that is very consistent and persistent. Okay? Sometimes God wants to see where you've exhausted all efforts and you are literally at the end of your rope, I think God delights in that. He delights in being the only one to answer you. 
But that's not, that, that's some of what I want to talk about today, but I want to, I want to come at this at a different, different angle today. The name of this sermon is A Knock at Midnight. And I think the first thing we have to establish today is, is that the world that we live in today, in 2020, and the scripture says in the latter day, we're at midnight, brothers and sisters and friends. I think I would, I get, I think I would get an amen. Would you agree that we're at midnight in the world today? Some of the characteristics of midnight. Midnight, it's dark. At midnight, not good things sometimes happen. If you want to do something against the law, most often you're going to do it when it's dark. So you don't get caught. We'll touch on that in a second as we swing back around and talk about some of these things about midnight. In today's world, brothers and sisters, and I'm going to touch on three things. This is taken from the sermon. Only it will be my little take on it. We have the whole social aspect of our, of our world. Social. Okay? Social could mean so many things. It means even the social order of our living system, our government system, how countries interact together and also with their people, a social order even in our families, right? You would agree with me that God established a social order through the scriptures. Amen, brothers. And you might say, well, Brother Pete, you're old-fashioned. No, I'm not old-fashioned. I just quote God's word that the man is the head of the house and head of the home and the spiritual leader. And he's to love his wife with all of his heart. And the wife is to respect the husband and love him back. And together as partners, they're to raise a beautiful, glorious family to honor and glory to God. And it's at midnight. Brothers and sisters, we are in the midnight time of a social order in our country and in our world today. Just think about it. Everybody's trying to get on top. In our own country today, and I, I'm not going to pick a political side here because that's not what I'm about. I'm about God's side this morning. But I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of how the Democrats want to get on top and the Republicans want to get on top and they'll think and they'll speak to you about what's right, but you know deep under the surface, you know what they follow? They follow the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not get caught. That's what they follow. For my father used to teach me two wrongs don't make a right. Only God is right this morning. And his commandments and his teachings. So we have a social system today that's at the midnight hour. We have a, a psychological problem in today's world that's at the midnight hour. I believe today people are not happy. Would you agree? Now, I'm not speaking individually. I'm speaking for the masses of what I see and what I hear and what I read. There's more teenage suicides today than there's ever been in the history of the world. There's more drug abuse today than there's ever been. What an epidemic 
our country has as drugs are pouring in. And why are they pouring in? Because there's a market for it, that's why. Because people need to be on drugs to take away all of the pain that they feel. I could go on and on. Even ministers in today's world preach sermons about well-being, preach sermons about prosperity, preach sermons about feeling good. The scripture doesn't say go out into all the world and teach everybody how to feel good. That's not what the scriptures say. I only know of one way where mankind could feel good about themselves. And that's the Lord Jesus. So we're at the midnight hour. And listen, these are real problems today. These are real problems today that face our, 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 our country, that face humanity. Thirdly, we're at a midnight hour with moral conduct. Would you agree with me? Today, this is a world that we live in that the scriptures say what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. My heart breaks for our little children, brothers and sisters. Our children today are confused on what is even right and wrong. And there's a moral bankruptcy today in the world and in, and in this wonderful country that we grew up in. That it is clearly at the midnight hour. Where darkness has taken over people's minds about, well, you know what? <laughs> if I steal, maybe it's just embezzlement. We'll, 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 we'll just give us a slap on the wrist. I, I had a man this week at work. It, it broke my heart. I, I tell you. And, and I broke protocol. I don't care. I, I don't care about HR sometimes. I just don't. I don't say that, Bethany. I know I'd be your worst nightmare, Bethany. <laughs> Study the field of human resources. But this man, I hired him, and he, he, he professed to be a Christian. And, uh, and he wasn't ashamed about it. If you go on his LinkedIn page, my mummy, uh, he, he, he got so many beautiful Christian sayings on his LinkedIn page. And all of a sudden, things weren't looking good in the financials. And we, we knew something was coming. We started doing some audits and some checking. And he resigns on Friday because he, he was padding his inventory. And that's just, a, just an easy way of saying he was manipulating the financials to look good. You know, I couldn't help it. I, I called him. He resigned. I called him at home. Frank. My heart breaks for you. Have you ever done this before? No. I just made a bad choice, and I'm, I'm in, I couldn't sleep, and I, I have to resign. And, and he had to resign, because we would have fired him. We'd have let him go. There's no, there's no grace for that. And you know, all I could say to him was, to get back on track, I want you to look to heaven. That, that's the only way you can make better choices, is to, is, to, is to really have Jesus in your heart. You with me, brothers and sisters? You agree with that? And I'm not going to pass judgment. I just have to act on that. I've made bad choices because I've, 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 I've gone after my own passions instead of following what the Lord wants. As brothers and sisters, I want to take you back to the parable. This man wanted three loaves. 
Now, I want to say something to you. You know why he was knocking persistently? I believe with all my heart, he knew there was loaves in that pantry. Do you think for one minute he'd have kept persistently knocking if he knew there was nothing there to give him? What do you think of that? Can, can you give me something on that? Give me a response on that. Would you keep knocking if you knew there was no bread in the, in the pantry? No. He knew there was bread. Are you starting to connect the dots where I'm going here? And he asked for three loaves. Well, I'm going to tell you what the world needs today. The first loaf, the world needs faith. The world's lost faith today. Faith in God, faith in one another, faith in mankind. Even the sanctity of marriage is, is, is gone. Oh, Pete, what are you saying? What are you talking about? The divorce rate went down into the 40s. Yeah, you want to know why? Because today people aren't getting married today. There's less and less people getting married. Go check the marriage license applications. They're just losing faith in the whole institution. Let's just figure it out. We'll, go, we'll take a day at a time. Brothers and sisters, this man, maybe he lost his faith. I don't know. But the first loaf I say for mankind is we got to have faith. we got to give them the loaves of faith. And you know where that loaf comes from? It comes from heaven. It comes from God. And you know how it comes from God, the scripture says? Brothers, can you help me? How does faith come? By hearing. And by hearing what? The word of God. And how are you going to hear unless it's preached unto you? How is it going to be preached unto you except the man of God be sent, the scripture says. Then we can't preach what you want to hear, what I want to hear and say. we got to preach what God wants us to preach, which is his word. Jesus, his, his 12 apostles, they were called the Shalea in, in, in Jerusalem. And boy, the Pharisees knew what that meant. Because when the high priest couldn't get to every city and every village and hamlet that was under the law of Moses, he sent the Shalea to only speak the law, the word of God. And that's what Jesus did. Those apostles went out and turned the world upside down. They didn't speak their own opinions. They spoke the word of God, what Jesus taught them. The second loaf, brothers and sisters, is the loaf of hope. tell you something. If humanity today doesn't have hope, there's no use living. I mean, if you've ever seen the movie, that wonderful book, The Shawshank Redemption. I quoted this to people before. It's a beautiful, beautiful quote. And that the man that was innocent, the accountant, he wasn't going to give up about getting out of that prison. And finally, one day, his good friend who had committed murder and was in there for life, said, just stop it. You need to stop it because you're never going to get out of here. And he said, Red, people got to have hope. If they don't have hope, what's the worst living? What's, worth, what's the worth of living? And so, Red, either you better get busy living or you better get busy dying. 
You remember that scene in the movie? People today are busy dying, brothers and sisters. They're dying without any hope. They walk the earth. They don't know what's facing them. And oh, talk about the end of the world. Or talk about the end of their world, which is their life. And man, you really got a problem. Do you think there's a, an afterlife? Do you really think there's something to look forward to? Do you think that this thing about eternal life is real? Lastly, I think you might know this last one. The last loaf, I think, is the most important. It's above them all. And that is what, brothers and sisters? Mike, it's charity, the love of God. People today, we sing about it, we talk about it, we speak it, but is it really in our heart and do we really act it out? Do we have love for one another? Because that's what the world needs today. The last load, it brings it all together, is that we need the love of God, brothers and sisters. We need charity, agape love, an unconditional love, a love that supersedes all love in the, in the, United, in, in, the, uh, in the world today that God created. A love that is godly. John Lennon sang about it. All you need is love. Many, many poets and musicians, many inspirational songs and, and words of comforts talk about it, but is it displayed? Do we really feel it every day? Do we have it in our families? Do we have it in our workplace? Do we have it in our school systems? Do we have it in our government? Does love have preeminence over everything in our lives and what we need? Now what I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, and I'm not going to conclude with this, there's so much more on this topic. That man that knocked at midnight, I'm going to tell you what door he was knocking on. Yeah, the scripture says it was his friend, but he was knocking on the door of the church because he had needs. And I want you to look with me today. Look with me today. And I'm not going to look left, and I'm not going to look right. I'm not going to look at the big behemoth church down on the corner that's got 3,000 in, in, in multiple different uh, services. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to look left over here, right over there. I'm going to look right here because this is where God's put me. This is where God has placed you. And I want to ask a question today. The bread that this man was looking for. What do you think that represents? Faith, hope, and charity, but the bread of life. And the message in our church, the theme of our church, who we are, how we act, brothers and sisters, I tell you today, are we giving people stale bread? Is our bread stale or is it fresh every day? Sometimes I look and I see little disturbances here and disturbances there and I see bickering here and bickering there. 
And it's all because we don't surrender to Christ first. We, we're all human. I'm, I'm, I'm king, brothers. I, I'm preaching to myself here. <laughs> That's why we labor, brothers and sisters, so diligently. We labor, friends of the church. We labor, we labor that we might teach the, the God of righteousness to our soul. We might conquer the enemy of righteousness, the Book of Mormon says, and then rest our souls in the kingdom of God. What kind of bread are we giving people today in our church? Is it truly Jesus Christ and him crucified, the bread of life, filled with the glory and the spirit and the power of God? Or are we giving him crumbs and stale bread? I don't know. But I know what I want to be. I know what I want us to be, brothers and sisters. You know, brothers and sisters, the moment our parents fell, the moment our parents fell, God immediately, the scripture says, dispatched angels to preach unto them the bread of life, which was who? Who was? I need to hear it real loud. It was Jesus. You see, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and he was preached unto Adam and Eve from the beginning. The Book of Mormon so clearly teaches us that. And the gospel, which is everlasting, that we quote so often in Revelations, was given immediately to our first parents that they might know by where salvation could be obtained. I got to tell you, when the angel spoke to Adam and Eve, it wasn't stale bread. It wasn't watered down. It was full of power and glory forever. And oh, throughout the ages of time, brothers and sisters, the enemy, just read our history of humanity. Read the history. Read the history of Israel. The enemy has tried to take away the message, the bread of life. He's tried to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and make it of no use, changing it or omitting things. But always it was everlasting. That stir your soul today. Can you say praise the Lord? We come to Jesus' day and time. And Jesus says to the twelve, Whom do men say that I am? And under the inspiration of the Spirit of the Lord, Peter says, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And it's upon this rock the rock of the gospel being revealed that Christ is our Savior and he has power to cleanse and take away our sin shall never be taken off the face of the earth. And the Lord set up a church that that beautiful gospel message that was so filled with power, that was so filled with the bread of life would be delivered unto people's souls every day. People came by the thousands, didn't they, brothers? They came by the thousands on this land. It was not a more happier people because they had the bread of life. They had Jesus as their king. But we know what happened. 
message got changed and it got watered down. It got omitted. Certain parts were taken away. We even edited the word of God that it might fit the parts we took out. And oh, how God was displeased. And said, one day I'm going to restore a church that's going to bring the everlasting gospel back unto the children of men. And not only that, but I'm going to bring a witness to go along with it. I'm going to bring another scripture, another record that is going to say yea and amen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, what am I saying this morning? I'm saying to you that in 1829-1830, this beautiful church was established and it was given the everlasting gospel, the fullness of the gospel thereof. That when men and women come knocking, they get the full, full package. Amen, brothers. They learn in that beautiful book that it isn't right to baptize little children. They're innocent before the Lord. We learn in that beautiful book how to serve God in spirit and in truth. We learn that God loves all nations and all people. And each book the record that we have witnessed together that Christ is our Savior and he's the Lamb of God and he's the bride, or excuse me, the bridegroom and we're his bride. And we're to give a message as he is the head of our home and our church and the head, he's the chief apostle. We're to give a message that never gets watered down, that men when they come to have that bread of faith, hope and charity might get it in its fullness. Amen, brothers and sisters. It's fullness, it's glory, it's power. And we need to examine ourselves today that if our churches that are planted across the nation and in the world are not giving that, that we need to go humbly before the Lord and pray mightily that God might change us and stir us up to our duty. That we might be the bright candlestick that the angel came in and out of in, in Revelations. Yea, we might not be that church that's lukewarm that would spew us, he would spew us out of his mouth. Oh, Brother Pete, that can't happen. Yes, it can. I wouldn't speak to you without a warning today, brothers and sisters, with all my soul. I believe that the Lord is warning the church, and we've had revelation, we've gone over John so beautifully. Scalero has given us those wonderful revelations from conference. That we're distracted What's distracted mean? We're not focused on the gospel message. We're not focused on giving people Jesus like we should be. In our own lives, we're not focused. You know, brothers and sisters, I want to say this to you today. You might be the only Jesus someone ever reads. You might be the only Bible in Book of Mormon that someone ever reads today. And if our lives are not filled with God's love, filled with faith, filled with hope and charity, then we're going to turn them away and the knock is going to go somewhere else. So my brothers and sisters, there's a knock at midnight. There's a sense of urgency today. 
no matter where you are or where you go, we've got to give people the everlasting gospel, the fullness thereof. And that's it. There's no other message. Go ye into all the world and preach my gospel. It's to go to every nation, every kindred, every tongue, and every people by the power of God. And brothers and sisters, if we do that, God will be pleased with us and, and we'll be a blessed people forever. May God bless you, my brothers and sisters, is my humble prayer. May we respond to the knock at midnight. We're not too busy, brothers and sisters. We're full of love. And when we help people get to Christ and get to heaven, may God bless you is my prayer.